New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of New Black Nation podcast, where we have a Black digest with a conservative twist. I'm Brandon Wang. I'm Gregory Victorian. And we are so happy to come uh, to you guys again with another action-packed episode. Um, this one is going to be a bit different from our last episode, and it's really going to kind of gear in on something that's really important, right? And and that's the woke culture, right? Woke culture, white guilt, and the things that white liberals think they're doing for Black people to help them, but it's really just making us worse off. So I'll start out with, you know, one particular thing. And, and as usual, I'll pose it to you, Greg, and we can and start chatting about it and you start telling me your consensus on it. Um, but a big portion of kind of what I want to talk to, or excuse me, talk about today is really revolved around, you know, that that really friendly white liberal friend that you might have. And that white liberal friend has a tendency to kind of say, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, I'm so woke. I understand that the stack is, 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 you know, everything is stacked against you. There's nothing that you can do to kind of make it out because it's just a systemic racist system, you know, and, and you're just doomed to kind of be in the situation. And I wish we could fight for it, you know, and we try to fight for it, but it almost seems impossible with all of those racist white conservatives, right? Because they'll never allow you to, to make that happen and never allow you to grow. It's just so unfortunate, but you know what? I'm woke because, I'm going to sympathize with you. I'm going to empathize with you. And I'm going to be able to, you know, struggle alongside you in the same pain that you have. That's basically what I want to talk about today, Greg. That those exact kind of comments, you know, and see how we branch off from there. So let's get your thoughts on those. Well, again, right, I do think that... Um, the uh, the politician is playing uh, a guilty um, strategy uh, versus um, against the white um, people that do not feel like uh, they had anything to do with um, racism. Um, and you know, I do have a lot of white friends. Uh, I, I have all kind of friends, and we do discuss um, this kind of things. And you know, again, what I understand from them when we have this um, discussion, you know, it's not, believe it or not, most of them feel what we feel in, but they're not in a position to make a difference themselves. That's number one. Number two, some of them, believe it or not, struggle just like we do. And uh, some of them, they have the same background. Uh, they have, you know, their parents have to struggle, um, this and that. So why for some people um, that will work, but for others, it will not work because they did not experience that luxury that we speak of, that, you know, the, the one percenters 
is enjoying. Um, they, they, um, they did not enjoy um, on those kind of things. So um, I, um, I do think that they're using it um, to, to, you know, to get in power. They're using it for position. They're using it for their own purpose. Um, because in the end of the day, saying it is one, doing it is another. Mm, I see. And it seems like almost that, you know, they, for for white liberals in particular, because they, I feel, are the major ones kind of doing a lot of these interesting things um, where they basically are trying to pander and basically make you feel as though they're empathetic to what's going on and that they legitimately care about, you know, fixing some of the issues. One thing... I find very interesting, though, is that a lot of the the woke white people that um, have a tendency to, you know, feel like they're so rah-rah and so happy that they have their one black friend or maybe two black friends are the main ones in a lot of cases that are managers and companies working in HR, you know, doing a departmental leadership program. And the ironic thing that you see is that there's really virtually no black people there. And I'm not saying it's always the case, you know, maybe every so now, often they have like, you know, their token black person that they try to give something to, to feel a little bit better about themselves and bring about diversity. Or maybe they'll have like a darker Indian person come in and, you know, take the place so that they can say there's come some kind of cultural diversity in their workplace. But the vast majority of them, if they look around at their office space, they'll see that it's, it's pretty much white. And you know, that's what I find very interesting, that they're so woke and trying to pick up everywhere and just say, hey, I'm really woke, you know, I empathize with you. You're my brother, you know. Do you know why? It's because they're not preaching what they, uh, they're not living what they're preaching. One of the reasons why I do not consider myself a Democrat is, 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 is this reason where they have you believe like they're really here to help, they're really here to look for your interests, and then time after time, they prove that, hey, we were just using you. What you just said here is a perfect example, right? Let's say these people, right, though um, awake white people, they really believe what they say. Most company that you walk into, you will see diversity, right? When, when, when a department wanna hire someone, they will put it, you know, if they're gonna interview two white people, we're gonna interview two black people, we're gonna interview two Spanish people or two Chinese people. They don't do it that way. I'm not gonna mention this lady's name in the company that we work for, we had a conversation yesterday, right? Um, and she said, you know, because of this whole thing that just happened, our company put a gonna put a policy in place where they were trying to hire more black people. Again, white guilt. You know, so we don't want you to hire us just, you know, just for the sake of hiring us. We want you to hire us because we qualify for the position. You understand? Because <laughs> If you're just gonna hire black people and stuff and they're not fit for the position, to me, I feel like it's gonna be more degrade to us versus you know you hiring the person that you see that's qualified and fit for the position. 
Um, and if it's gonna be a black person, you know, you hire the, 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 the person with the right knowledge and right experience. Right. So in public, you know, everybody wanna stay in the street, they wanna talk it because while people are watching, is it that they're scared? Um, they took too much of a coward. They cannot really stand in, in their principle what they really believe in um, because they fear retaliation. So they just sing along with everybody else. But when you're in the uh, um, structure, she's the boss or he's the boss, the attitude is different towards you. They don't really you know, want to support you moving forward within the company. Well, it's it's an interesting thing that you bring that up. I mean, because one would say, you know, perhaps you know they are going to be hiring people who are qualified. You know, if they if if them saying we're going to hire or try to hire more black people is we're going to try to hire more qualified people. Or for example, if someone comes through our doors and they're very qualified or just as qualified as some of the other people that are coming in, that we're going to, you know, make that effort to go ahead and and introduce them into the the work community because they they qualify for the skill set and they're there, you know, and, you know, we're going to allow them in and that's completely fine. I mean, and, and I, I understand where you're saying that, you know, the issues that run into it is that they just decide to hire black people just for the sake of hiring black people. And just like an affirmative action, we know that that's not um, lucrative for the, the company itself. And it's not lucrative for the black person being hired under those circumstances. And I think most people, when they're getting hired for something, will want to be hired because of their merit and not um, simply because of the color of their skin. They just want to be on an equal footing. And, and, and if they try to do that in some uh, form of way, then I, then I think that that's, that's really helpful. And that's, um, having them walk the walk. Well, the reason that I brought that up is because there was an incident that happened last year. Uh, an HR woman hired this man, this black man, uh, just for the fact of hiring a black person, and the person was not qualified for the position. And and they get back when they fire the person. Well, you know, um, you couldn't perform in the job, this and that. And a lot of people was like, well, you hired the wrong person. But here's another point, right? <clears throat> Let's say companies, okay, say, okay, you know what? We're gonna hire more black people. What about the black people that you already have in staff with you currently? What are you doing to make them uh, uh, move from the current position to get into a higher position? What are you doing to help them to be successful? Or are you keeping them in the same position that they have been for the past 10, 20 years? You refuse to recognize their hard work and effort. You understand? Right. So, but so what does the person, you know, so what are they to do, for example? So, you know, one person would say, I would say somebody who would have an argument against you to just play devil's advocate, advocate. And um, they would probably, probably say, um, you know, well, if that's the case and you're telling me that, okay, I'm going ahead and I'm hiring black people, but then now you're telling me that, oh, well, now you can't just hire black people just, you know, because they're black, you need to hire them for their credentials. Then, 
you know, how are we going to get more, how are we going to get more black people if that's the case? You know, how are we going to get more people trained and able to be in these positions and get them up to that status quo? And I think that's the conversation that we should probably be leaning towards. And that's why I asked this question. Well, I, I just want to make sure, right, when they say, okay, they're going to hire black people, they're not going to hire black people to service the mailroom. They're not going to hire black people to run, uh, um, you know, the catering pantry. They're not just going to hire black people for the low-level um, work that do, do not pay a sufficient amount for them to live um, comfortably. So all these things have to be discussed. Hiring black people is one but hiring black people in what position and what kind of qualification are you looking to hire them in? Are you hiring them so, you know, they could become the next uh, uh, um, CFO or, you know, um, a finance uh, advisor? Like, all these things are important because we know, you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, um, of financial, um, um, the financial field is always hiring and they're always looking for good candidates. So if you're hiring black people and you're hiring them in a um, low position, well, yes, you're giving them a job, but then what? My old company that I used to work for, Nelson Communication, they did something that was very good um, for people that was in the mailroom and um, other position. They pay for school for them. If they're interested in art, the company will pay for them to go take art class. If they're interested in finances, the company will pay for them to go get the finance degree. And in, in return, they get to stay with the company for five years before they go uh, and move on to a different company. That's one, one, one good thing uh, you know, a company could do also. Okay, so you're saying so you're getting more to the to the meat of of what I'm talking about here, because if we it, you know we have a, a a good plethora I would say of of black people who could be qualified, um, but may not have the necessary experience points, right? So they may have the degree qualification, but do they have the experience qualification? And I think uh, a big portion of that um, extends to the fact that you know black people generally haven't been able to get the chance um you know particularly in certain fields to really spread their wings and get the kind of experience points are there because perhaps maybe they didn't have the advantages of um you know working in good internships or snagging good internships because of partners with family friends and things like that so perhaps if that's something that they wanted to do that would that what that's one thing that could help you know helping with tuition reimbursement um a lot of companies have done that but a lot of companies have decided to go away from that margin um or that practice rather um but perhaps bringing tuition reimbursement back would be good and also perhaps you know bringing in programs that are like intern style programs right where people are making um you know just making a general wage you know it could be you know minimum wage or whatever it is but what you are doing is giving these people the opportunity to have experience working in a particular department so that that way they have a chance to learn more um, and be pro more proactive in 
um, acquiring the skill set that's necessary for them to take on, you know, director roles or VP roles or CFO roles and different things like that in the company? Yeah. But, you know, let me ask you a question. Um, you said earlier, most company move away from that. Um, why do you think they move away from that? Well, I think it was because of the bottom line. So a lot of the people were like, um, you know, we just are not going to afford this anymore because we need to make a better um, bottom line or a better margin, end of year margin for, you know, our shareholders. So they, of course, cut these type of um, extra programs out of their um, company portfolio. Which is really sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely sad, It's but it's definitely business. And I think yeah. what could be done, though, you know, since, you know, the liberals, you know, or especially particularly white liberals really love to kind of push, you know, oh, we need to stop systemic racism and a lot of these things. I think what would be good is if they were to take a stand and to decide to implement some of those types of programs, um, in their companies. And, and I really hope to see a day where they perhaps would do things like that, you know, that allow people to give, build up skill sets. You know, at the same time, it's not giving a handout to someone because, you know, they're working, but at the same time, they're really learning. So it's more like a training program to ensure that, you know, they're able to really get a certain set of um, experience points on their resumes. Um, the problem that I see here though, is that some people may say, well, you can't just make this program for black people. Perhaps you need to make this program for people who are in a particular economic bracket, you know? Well, and so that way it's, it's, it's a bit more um, fair across the board in terms of like socioeconomic status. Well, of course, you know, it wouldn't be only for black um, people. Um, you know, usually when programs like that are in place, they're in place for those that um, that's in need um, of the program. Um, and, we, you know, which was the good thing uh, about Nelson Communication when I was working for them. It, it wasn't a program only for black people. It was a program that was there. If you feel like the position that you're in, you're not making enough money or there's no room for growth, that was an option for you. Um, and stuff like that, but they also regulated. If you was making fifty thousand dollars a year, they're not gonna pay for that for you because they they consider you you okay, and you could pay for school yourself. You have you have to be um, to make certain amount, and um, you know if it's below what their rate is, then they pay and then they support you in that kind of program. So it wasn't a program for black um, person. It was a program for whoever. Um, was qualified and for whoever that wanted it um, to finish their school, the company support them on that, especially if they have been with the company for a long period of time. Right. And I think, you know, a program like that would be really great. And, and you know, I feel like every company should be offering these type of things, it's particularly, you know, all of those um, companies that were bailing out and supporting uh, rioters, 
um, and looters and things like that, you know, during this particular situation, they should more so be the first ones to set up these type of programs um, to really help uh, disadvantaged people get up the experience points or, you know, learn a new trade and then be able to apply it and make it work for the company. And again, I hope to see a day um, where this actually happens so they can, you know, so white liberals can really walk the talk you know, and, and, and really just not be hypocritical, right? When they're just blaming one side uh, of the fence and not their well, themselves. Well, the reason that they're blaming one side is because they want to move guilt away from themselves. Um, that's the only reason. But if you look down the line and you read between the lines, you will see, you know, <laughs> they worse. So, you know, uh, like I said. Well, let's talk about that worst part. Because I, I, I like with that you started off with worse. So, and by worse, are you are you saying that uh, white liberals are worse than white conservatives? Yeah. Mm. So expand on that yeah. for me. So how do you um, how would you compare and say that uh, uh, white liberals are worse than white conservatives? And when we say worse, what do you mean by worse? In what way worse? Well, I'm talking about, you know, um, policies, you know, I'm talking about an uh, um, district, I'm talking about, you know, a program that's in, um, that's, um, um, in place for our communities um, and stuff like that. Um, I'm talking about, you know, the 1994 crime bill, you know, who, who signed those things, who, who was behind it. So when I say they were, these people have you believe that they're here to help and support our community, but they are the one that exploring the community and they, they do it brilliantly because they point to uh, uh, the Republican as, oh, these are the devil, those are the ones that the want to do this, this, this and that. But if you look at what the Republicans put in place, the programs and the um, um, laws that they put in place, it empowers you to do more for yourself versus you just sitting down doing nothing. So if you if you someone that love receiving, you know, credit or getting credit or getting payment for doing nothing, hey, you know, that's 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 you. That, that's that's good for you. But if you're someone that feel like okay, um that you know that don't make me responsible and it doesn't make me a man, you know, to um take care of my family and stuff like that, I have to wait for someone to give me a handout then no, you know, you're going to fight for change. And the change is, I feel like, you know, if if the Democrat, you know, um, have the black vote for all these years, and all these years, you know, we've been supporting the Democratic Party, <clears throat> um, you know, um, and everything that they do, regardless if we agree with them or not, we support them. After all these years, what have changed? It's like Donald Trump said in his campaign. You know, what did they do for you after all these years? Something that you can point to that they did for the black community. Hmm. Um, which is why that's an interesting and profound question. Um, because I mean, it has been like. <laughs> generations right and um we really haven't seen as much as we 
thought we would see from the supposed bastions of wokeness and um, progressivism, right? You know, what we do see a lot is we kind of see this um, pandering and virtual signaling kind of mentality um, coming from them. So essentially via words, you know, uh, Democrats are 100% supportive of minorities, um, so much so that, you know, they've pushed, um, you know, things like, you know, getting, uh, and Nancy, I think Nancy Pelosi recently said she's going to take out a couple of the paintings of uh, some of the previous House speakers because they were members of the Confederacy. And um, we have the people changing Anja Mama um, syrup because of these kind of things, and what have all of these kind of scenarios that are doing right, and and I think this is where my point is going because I see where you're going there. Um, but they're doing all of these kind of uh, you know emotional things or, or verbal things, um, but we really haven't seen as much um, action right from these people. And the interesting thing that I find is that. It's not the conservatives that are lining up, you know, or basically falling over themselves, you know, to show how woke they are. You know, conservatives are not coming out with some pitch and saying, hey, you know, we care about all, you know, we care about all of you and, and all of these different things. They're not known when doing that, you know, but the Democrats are known for for being that way or at least the, the idea of being that way. So which is the part that hurts the most. Right. And this is why I find it very and and this is why I find it more um detrimental for them because they're the party that's supposed to be doing that. But yet we've seen no type of action, you know, put forward from the Democratic Party. And you know, I'm really trying to think of what they actually did for inner city communities like what well, they actually done in terms of policy or action for people in these type of communities that made some kind of significant um change for them well, they, well, in the blue states where they have the majority well <laughs> the one thing they did they give you the three strike law right <laughs> listen they didn't do nothing in them <laughs> They ain't gonna do nothing now. Once once this whole thing is settled, everything is gonna go back to normal. You know, nothing is really going to change um, uh, um, right now. It, it, here's something that I, I saw in the news today that was so, to me, it was so degrading. Uh, um, right now, they're really considering a black woman for vice president because of what's going on right now. So again, you're using us. You're not gonna pick me because I'm qualified. You're gonna pick a minority woman because of what's going on right now. But yet we had chances and opportunity to fix these problems years ago. In the 21st century, we should not be in the street fighting for uh, social justice. The reason that is happening is because the um, Democrat um, Party is using um, this to gain vote. Remember, right? 2016, when Barack was um, um, uh, President Barack Obama was running and he was in office, right? 
Black lives started under that, right? The Republican, the Democrats fear the Black Lives Movement because why? The Black Lives Movement, according to them, caused Hillary Clinton the election. Now, look what they're doing right now. In 2016, um, during the election, Black Lives was going after Hillary Clinton. They was going after anybody that they felt like was not right to, um, to run uh, the country. Well, essentially, they were going after the establishment because they're definitely pro-Marxist yeah. um, and, and very communist socialist. You know, okay. and this is why people like AOC and Elon um, Omar and all of these fun people, you know, the squad, I guess, as they call them, um, are fighting, right? And, you know, also looking but at the news today. Yeah. And also looking in the news today, you know, I was able to see uh, some things from, um, well, some things about AOC and really the, her squad, you know, the four women of color that are actually, yeah. uh, you know, fighting against the establishment in the Democratic Party. So again, yeah. we find them having more bickering and more issues going back and forth. And she was talking about, well, AOC was talking about how nasty uh, Nancy Pelosi was to her. Um, and how she, you know, disrespected her Green New Deal. Right. So, and, and, and hey, I agree 100% with Nancy on that one. You know, what, what she said about uh, her, her bill or the Green New Deal was absolutely on point. And I think that's the only time you'll hear me say that I agree with Nancy Pelosi on anything. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the Green New Deal was an absolute idiotic. Um, plan as far as I'm, co I'm concerned. And, but this is going to be a major, um, soft point for them because they're all up against primaries. They have primary candidates that will be facing against them. And Hillary Clinton, for example, has already gone out and supported, uh, someone in the district north of AOC, um, because they're more of a Democrat establishment candidate. And, and not really the socialist wing that you're seeing here. So I'm interested to see how that's going to all play out, you know, because well, now they're even like targeting them, right? Because they're saying, oh, why do you attack all the women of color in the Democratic Party? So now they're also doing that to their to members in their own party, which I find interesting. It, it's, it's interesting and it's sad at the same time because we uh, remember now, right? <clears throat> I was always a Bernie supporter because I believe in what he was saying, right? So AOC, um, you know, she always stand, um, you know, she, she's always, she always has been aggressive, right? And the Democrats do not like that. As popular as she is, they will go after her seat because they consider her a threat. And if she do not win that seat, she lose her voice. Because she went and endorsed Bernie Sanders versus Joe Biden. She will get punished for that. There will, there will be a punishment coming for that. So my whole thing is, right, why is it that if I'm a Democrat or I'll I'm a Republican, I have to agree with every single thing that 
the the party agrees with. Why is it that I cannot speak out when something is wrong and I cannot say, okay, this policy would not work for the people or I do not agree with this policy? Why is it that now in your own party you become a target? Well, and that's simply because of corporate interests, right? So corporate interests and not being in money because, you know, political parties generally, and both sides are guilty of this, um, uh, yeah, but you know, going so against, you know, going against the grain is, is not a good thing because those are the people who got you elected. But most, more so the Democrats, because it's looking more ugly on their side versus the Republican side. Well, yeah, because a lot of the Republicans, you know, can understand that, you know, they there's there's a means to an end, you know, and they understand that, you know, we need to get together, you know, and, and collectively pool our resources um, to get at least a, a good portion of the agenda that we're trying to get across across. And Democrats have a, a general tendency to be very um dysfunctional. They're kind of like a dysfunctional family, right? Because, you know, you have those really progressive youngsters who, who are really kind of causing a ruckus, right? And being freshmen senators. And then you have the old, old older, uh, more mature um, Democrats that are establishment and, and they want it to be their way. So there's like an ideological um, rift, going on constantly with the Democratic Party. And it also played against them in the last election. So I'm wondering how they're going to move forward, um, considering that we see it creeping up again in this kind of disdain for each other and each other's principles. Um, but yeah, it's it's very, very interesting thing to think about. So especially, you know, if we're looking at these people like in Ilian Omar and AOC, you know, they're pushing for a lot of these radical things that, you know, would kind of uplift um, communities of color. Um, they're pushing for a lot of these really hot button issues and actually perhaps trying to um, put action together um, for their constituents and for the people who are in their communities. Um, but the funniest part about it is that, you know, they're being completely crushed by the democratic establishment so if they're pushing out these programs i don't agree with their a lot of their programs a good majority of their programs but what i'm saying is is that if those things are centered at you know helping um communities of color um or impoverished communities or inner cities then why would the democrats be going against them on that because clearly they love their virtual virtual signaling and they love pandering to minorities so why go against it you know why because um they want to die in power they love to um uh, accuse i remember um doing the impeachment when the republicans came out CNN, MSNBC, oh, it's a bunch of old white men, you know, um, there's no color people that this and that. And I say, okay, it's a bunch of old white men and our party is very diversity, but yet we can't get shit done. So you're looking at Nancy, you look at uh, 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 um, Sharp, you look at all these guys that's in there. 
all the leaders of the um, Democratic Party, what are they? All white people, right? So they're accusing the uh, Republican Party for being all white people, but then they're all white also, even though they have young conservative, they have young people in their party that's crying for change and wants to have some change. They're refusing members of their own party to get those changes through because why? They are comfortable with the structure that's in place right now. That structure work for the party. And if that structure change, the party is in jeopardy because then there's nothing else for them to offer. Well, and I think it's also good to point out that that structure also ties in directly with, you know, um, a disadvantage for communities, communities of color um, and people who have, you know, perhaps financial difficulties. And and this is the funniest part about, you know, that whole situation there. I mean, and, and you brought up a good point, you know, on the Democratic side, they keep talking about, well, we need more inclusion and diversity. But yet you look at their lineup, you know, for, for example, like um, the Iowa um, leadership team for the Democratic Party, like the chairs and everything that's going there, and a lot of other states around and, and Democratic Party um, territories, um, they all are predominantly white. You know, they may have some young people, but then they're all white. So it's like, you know, how do you really, you know, preach that this is something that is your you know, your default, you know, that your default is to take care of minorities if you can't even have a good portion of minorities and leadership in your own establishment or your own party. And I'll tell you why that is. And that's because they don't truly feel that black people will be able to represent their values and represent their establishment quo to the degree in which they want them to. So and that's why they feel that, you know, they need to get a, you know, very kind of standard, you know, go with the flow kind of, um, kind of uh, leaders. And, and a lot of them, I, I truly believe, feel, you know, that those people are young white people, you know, or maybe young Asians even, right? Because these are the people who are going to be the most um, obedient, right? We see like, for example, a prime example of this is the Black Lives Matter movement. So we saw, you know, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, a couple of people, you know, shouting out and saying, you know, defund the police or abolish the police, right? So Democrats definitely don't want to abolish the police and defund the police. You know, they definitely don't want that. But they, nevertheless, when people were calling for that, they, I can only imagine Nancy and and Chuck and all of the people when they saw them calling for this. And I can only imagine them sitting in the room together and just thinking about, oh my God, these people, these people are just, oh my goodness, they're completely trashing our message. What are we going to do? How are we going to get these people in the control? You know, because they're just going out and saying whatever the hell they want to say. You know, and it's just like, you know, I can totally imagine Nancy and Chuck and all of the rest of the establishment really saying that. And that's why they kind of had to roll it around. Right. So you had that situation with the mayor who was in uh, Minnesota really coming out and saying, um, 
you know, no, I don't agree with, um, you know, completely abolishing the police. And they kind of gave him the walk of shame to kind of walk <laughs> out. <laughs> hit me. Hmm? With that, huh? and good conscience. What? I said, how can they agree with that in good conscience? It doesn't make any sense. Well, you it doesn't understand? make any sense, and, and and I think this is this is the reasoning why they don't have more people of color, or let's just be frank, and more black people because they have Latinos there. You know, yeah, they, have they, they have Latinos and they have Asians there, but why they don't have enough black leadership in the Democratic Party. And I think that is specifically why, because they still don't believe in themselves that black people can run and 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 be the flag bearer for that party, even though they they quote themselves as a as a party for minorities. Here's, here's something, right? Um, I don't know if it's the mayor. I think I think it's the mayor of um, Washington, right? She had painted um, Black Lives Matter um, in the street, right? And she changed one of the name of the street to um, Black Lives Something. Did you know she was one of the one that, and she's a Democrat, increased the funding for the police department? Why in national TV? With the protests that she's screaming, defund, defund, defund the police department. She signed the bill to increase the police <laughs> um, budget. <laughs> but people don't pay attention to that bill because people just want to hear what they want to hear. They just want a one minute clip. And that's the unfortunate part. They don't want to do the but research, but, they don't want to see voter history, they don't want to see the passage. But you have to give them credit, though. They, I mean, I. Listen, I will. I hate to admit this, but the Democrat brilliant in that game that they're playing, and we cannot deny that. It, think about it. Right now, the Black Lives Movement—that's their ticket for November. The black, the movement right now. The reason I've been supporting everything Black Lives say, everything, every demand they're down with it, they don't want them to attack Joe Biden and his policy comes November. So therefore, they're falling in line. Yeah, they're falling in line for now. Just like the Seattle mayor, you know, when they asked her, they said, how long do you think that this is going to last? Or how, do, how long do you think you're going to allow them to kind of have this, as she quoted, block party. And, and and then to that, she said, you know, you know what, who knows? Nobody knows, you know, maybe it'll be a summer of love, you know, maybe, you know, meaning it'll be the entire summer. Maybe it'll go into, you know, the, uh, all the way up to towards the general election. And I think that is really the situation that we're looking at here with the Democratic Party. They're gonna pander as long as they can just so they can ride it to November 3rd. And as soon as November 3rd comes, it's like, okay, let's get back to normal. You know, let's do our same, you know, egregious policies that really affect communities of color and minorities. And let's continue to do what we got to do. Um, but they'll do whatever they need to do to get that vote for November 3rd for Senile Joe. Well, listen, right? That's the only card that they have to play right now, and that's the card that they're going to play. Joe 
Joe Biden had already said nothing is really go going to change in his, under his presidency. So anyone that's hoping for anything, oh, let's face it right now. What plan did Joe came out with right now to counter this problem that we're facing right now? He's someone that's running for president. What have he said besides, oh, I'm sorry, whatever. Donald Trump said he's sorry too. But what, what plan is he proposing for the future for these things not to happen? I haven't heard anything yet. Maybe he did, I, I, you know, I, I don't know about, but I have not heard anything from Joe Biden, policy and plan that he's gonna put in place if he gets in office to face these problems that our community is saving. To me, that's troubling. Well, the Democratic policy. You know that. Huh? There's never any policy. Joe just put out a big commercial, right, going against President Trump. But basically, the, the, the people critiqued his uh, commercial or his ad because it basically, like you said, talked about zero policy. And that's generally what you see happening within the Democratic Party. Well, that's they, they, they don't have a part. They don't have a policy platform. They don't have a policy platform. I'll say that again. You know, they may have something on the, you know, DNC website that says that they have some type of platform, but their platform is fluid, right? Just like this gender fluidity and everything else that they push, it's fluid. And their policy changes with the times. The real policy is the policy that they talk about behind closed doors and the policy that they're actually going to act out. There is no real policy and they know that they don't have real policy, you know, not policy that's good for the people that are in their constituency at the very least, but they're going to ride whatever they can. They're going to ride on virtual signaling. They're going to ride on trying to beef up, you know, minorities and beef up black people and get them emotionally charged and, and until November 3rd so they can win. And after they win, they continue doing the same thing that they do. Well, right now, to tell you the truth, honestly, I, I am a little bit um, disappointed with Black Lives Matter um, because I always thought that, you know, these people, they were, you know, uh, they were not for Republican, they were not for Democrat. They, they went after anyone that they feel like is a threat to the nation. Now, um, you know, it's, this is a Democrat establishment right now. Black lives belong to the Democrats. Um, and I, I guarantee you, come November, not one member from the Black Lives Matter is gonna challenge Joe Biden or anybody that he picked for VP. Not one is going to challenge him, which is which is sad because I really see that, okay, if there was ever gonna be a movement in the US for a third or maybe a fourth party, I really believe the Black Lives Matter group was gonna be the one to stop that, right? And now that's not what, what I'm seeing. And, um, to, I'm, to, to I'm pretty your... happy that there, <laughs> we're not seeing a Black Lives Matter party because I just feel that the organization is just is, is just the the brown shirt party as far as I'm concerned from the Nazis. Well, well when I say party, you know, majority of them have supported um, um, Bernie Sanders. A lot of these people support Bernie Sanders because they believe in what Bernie Sanders was saying. 
And I, I supported Bernie Sanders and stuff. Yeah, like I that. know, which I, um, which I'm still trying to process. I mean, I guess we can get the, the trade thing works because um, he had a very similar trade stance with uh, Donald Trump. Um, so I can definitely see why that that makes sense because he, he wants to get more jobs back to America. I like that he's focusing on the working class. But as soon as he starts talking about this universal healthcare bullshit and education for everyone that's magically free but it's really not bullshit i completely turn off well me personally those are the reasons why i supported him and stuff um not not because okay he, his policy is pretty straightforward right now every time the one percenters get to problem wall street gets to problem who bails them out is our money that bails them out. Every time they break the law, we bail them out. They don't go to jail. They don't get processed. So, you know, it's, it's like um, a, a lot of people believe, okay, you know, um, we spoke about the welfare system, right? I don't agree with the welfare system because you're using other taxpayers' money to fund people that don't want to do nothing they just want to sit and collect. Well, and that's so, what I feel that, but that's what I feel about universal healthcare and universal education. And that's why I don't agree with those things because we're using taxpayers' dollars no, of people no, who no. can afford it to give it's insurance not. to people who uh, could afford it by just, you know, relying on their health insurance from their jobs. You know, it's, or it's not. why not make health insurance cheaper so that everyone can afford it? That makes more sense to me. Than spending you know, you know, right uh, money on things that we already don't have in the budget to to bring about. No, well, if you look at his policy, he had a plan for exactly where that money was going to come from, the one percenters. And if you look at um 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 you know um, our numbers right now, most people that sick they don't go to the hospital or they don't even go to the emergency room because of their high co-payment. You understand? So Bernie Sanders' plan was missing in mathematical competency. Like he, no, no, no. It, it, it was mathematical incompetency, and also it was the standard liberal, um, deceiving um, mentality when it comes to public policy. Because you look at his situation, he keeps saying, kept saying that the one percent was going to pay for this universal health care and universal education program. That is an absolute bullshit lie. I'm sorry. It is not he did say, what the case. No, 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 because no, I'm going to cut you off here because you have always kind of chime in, but this is a very passionate point for me. When he, you know, when, when Bernie Sanders, you know, made this policy that the one percenters are the ones that will pay for it. It was an absolute lie because if you look at the amount of one percenters, it, even if you were to take the small amount of one percent, the top one percent of the one percent, and 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 charge them, you know, an astronomical amount, it wasn't going to pay for an entire system of health insurance. People who were middle class Americans would have to take the brunt and pay into that as well. You just don't have enough people there. And if there was offshoring, there was all these kind of manipulations that they can put in, you know, where it would 
ultimately fall back to the middle class to pick up the slack and pay for that universal health care. The universal health care that will not be perfect because of the amount of people that we have. And also keep well, in mind that we have a very aging population and we have a ton of baby boomers that are going to be going into retirement and not making regular wages to support the system. And that's the same problem they're having in Sweden. Here it goes, right? He said there's government program that we're paying for that we do not need to pay for. All the government program that's in place right now where we're spending and blowing money um, all this program was going to take a. They was going to take a look at those programs to remove funds from those programs, right? He did say also taxes will be going up a little bit more uh, um, because the one percent. He, he failed. No, no, not, no, no, he failed. No, he failed to say that. He failed because he danced around it every time they asked, because on every debate presidential debate and otherwise he kept going around it and he kept saying he wouldn't answer the question he said the one percenters will do it he will always go to the one percenters he did not want to put out there that we would have to raise middle class taxes in order to afford this program and the reasoning why he didn't do that is the reasoning why most politicians don't do it because middle class don't want to hear that their taxes are getting raised he came out and said, he, they, they questioned him on it. He came out and said, he said, listen, everyone taxes will have to go up a little bit in order for this to work. Yeah, so, look which at is every why debate. Look at every debate. He can probably say it in one interview because you only get a certain amount of people who say something. But look back. I implore you to Come look on. back at every one of his I debates. I hear what you're saying, and I agree. He was going around the question um, a lot, but... Um, after a while, he came back around here and said, okay, this is what the plan is because people will keep questioning him on it. He came out and said, um, everyone, everyone tax will be going up. For me, in our community, here's why I support it. I feel like in our community, it will work and it will help our community, not only black community, white poor community, every community, it will be helping them, especially in the education level. Imagine you have a son or you have a daughter that's intelligent, but you do not have the money to send them to college, or you know you have to take a loan or whatever the case may be. A, a lot of our children did not go to school. It's not because most of them didn't want to, it's because they didn't have the money to pay for school. You understand? So me, I'm more likely to support a program like that versus the support um, people saying that oh, the things that I'm hearing people say, oh, you have to pay us back for um, all the time that we were enslaved. I would rather something like that in place. Versus the welfare system, I would rather something like that in place. So there, therefore, everybody in this country, regardless if you were rich, if you were poor, if you were white, if you were black, everyone have free healthcare, everyone have free education, and under one system, right? Take it, for example, when Hillary Clinton was sick in New York, they say, oh, we don't trust this hospital to bring um, um, uh, Miss Clinton into. I'm like, are you serious? So you have a, a system in place where you say, oh, these are good doctors, these are good hospitals, but you yourself will not go and get yourself treated at it. You rather stay in your daughter's apartment versus going to a hospital. It's just to show you 
They know these things are not working. They know these things doesn't make any kind of sense. So that's why I supported that program. I supported Bernie on that. It's for, I'm looking at everything um, that, that's happening. And I feel like this system will work best um, for this country because it, it, it works well in Canada. Uh, yes, they have the little hiccups, but it works well. Here's another point, right? Um, well, well and, and, and unfortunately, we're going to have to end on that part because we're coming up to our hour uh, in the recording. So, you know, this is going to have to clearly be a part two. Um, and I think it's it's fruitful that we ended on that um, because uh, it'll lead us into our next uh, episode in episode five, which would be um, socialism. Um, in universal healthcare and these kind of social programs and why they don't work. Um, so I'll have a whole bunch of information and stats for you to talk about why that doesn't work. So I can help you understand why that program just just doesn't make sense. And we'll talk about it and it will certainly be in our next discussion. So please tune in next time to hear more about that socialism topic um, and also, we can relate it back to how that works in for the Black community at large. Is socialism good for Blacks, right? Is it good for America in general? Um, we'll, you know, we'll cover that on the next round. Um, but I would love to thank all of you for listening in. Um, and I think that's where we'll end it for today. Um, again, as usual, per our uh, social media slash contact. If you'd like to talk to either Greg or myself, please feel free to email us. My email is bwang at mbnusa.com. And Greg's email is gvictorin at mbnusa.com. And we, of course, can be looked up by our standard names, Gregory Victorin and Brandon Wang um, on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you again for watching. And we hope to have you on again for another fun-filled episode of New Black Nation podcast. Bye now. Bye.